Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on Power Your Life, and I'm Dr. Joanne White, and it's a pleasure to be here. And firstly, I want to shout out to everybody who's dealing with weather and other challenges. Make sure that you're safe and take care of yourself, please, because that is very important. Speaking about taking care of ourselves, oftentimes we face challenges, difficult times in our lives, no matter what they are, whether it's weather, whether it's it's something that we go through in our family or an illness or something personal, and recover or move on from that is really very critical and so important to your life journey. So we're going to talk about that today with my special guest, Cordelia Gaffar who is an author, a speaker, a hostess of the Replenish Me show, and also the founder of Workout Around My Day. She's also a transformational coach who helps women connect their bodies to the now with a body-soul shift. Cordelia shows women how to use their emotions as a power source to lift and propel them towards their ultimate life purpose. After the birth of her second child, Cordelia overcame postpartum depression and extreme weight gain with the support of doctors, studies in nutrition, exercise, and mindset. She shifted that around. In less than a year, Cordelia lost over 60 pounds, found her sanctuary, and became nourished and energized. With that transformation, it became her mission to take her own personal experience and to guide women to a body-soul shift. Welcome, Cordelia. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing really well. Good. I'm honored to be on your show. It's my pleasure. So let's go back a little bit because a lot of the challenges started after your your second child was born, and many women go through postpartum depression. They, they may not know that that's what they're going through, but I think that there's more information now and more understanding about it, but it's still, when it hits you, it's still very significant and, and kind of turns your life around. So can you share with our listeners, Cordelia, uh, what happened to you and, and where you where you went with that? Yeah, basically, you know, I my first child was like that dream pregnancy, and, you know, after she was born, we looked into each other's eyes, and it was love at first sight, right? Well, <laughs> it wasn't like that after my second, and in between, I had two miscarriages, so I just was thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happening right now? Why 
is there no connection? Why is there no, you know? And um, it never occurred to me that I hadn't really dealt with the grief of the two miscarriages. Um, and I, you know, might still have some things going on with that. And so usually they say that postpartum de- depression is something that you cannot and identify until about six months postpartum, right? Because the first couple of months is really considered the baby blues, but it was quite profound and significant for me, like the disconnection that I had with my son and the overall just like misalignment with the planet. I just really did. I wasn't in touch at all. So when I went actually for my, my uh, six week checkup, I was like, look, I know there's something really wrong with me. And my doctor just simply wanted to give me an antidepressant. So that actually snapped me back into, okay, clearly nobody wants to help me. You know, I'm not going to take drugs because I'm nursing my child. So I decided, you know, to pour myself into research on nutrition. And that's all I focused on. And I said, you know, I can eat myself healthy and, you know, I'm going to exercise. You know, when I was looking up about uh, stress management or depression, overcoming depression, all roads point to three. It's the way you eat, the way you exercise, and the way you sleep, which is it's out of your control when you have a newborn. <laughs> so, um, but between the, the nutrition, sleeping when my baby slept, and um, and also exercising as frequently as I could throughout the day, I actually was able to see differences in, um, you know, my connection with my child. I, the, the, the exercise was kind of accidental because it was like um, I would make sure that I held him close to my skin as much as possible, and I would just kind of make a dance out of it. And as close as I could get to, like, different exercise moves, I would use that And just over time, yeah, I was able to reconnect. You know, it's so important for for women to do that. I work with some clients right now who don't get any sleep because of their babies (laughs) waking up at all different hours of the night and and, and just not going to sleep and whatever. And and it's... It could be debilitating to be to have that kind of level of sleep deprivation, and what you went through. Did you, in terms of of the two miscarriages and also you know the postpartum depression, that's a journey in itself. So when you were researching it afterwards, you came out of it. You were doing the exercising. You exercises. Excuse me. You were working with um, a doctor. What did you discover? that led you to shift gears and and to begin to work with women and help them do what you're calling a body-soul shift, which we'll get into much later. Right. So first of all, you know, like I was just happy to be normal again, and it was kind of people coming to me and saying, oh, you know, didn't you have a baby? You don't look like you had a baby. And gosh, you know, or the people that were with me, you know, through the journey where I had, they had seen me, you know, in that depressed state, 
they were like, wow, you are so happy. What are you doing? You know? And so when people would ask me, I didn't have it, you know, nice and cute, the elevator pitch that I have now. So I was just telling them the whole thing, you know, and they're like, okay, you need to write that down, (laughs) you know? um, And, you know, yeah, sure. Help me with that. And I didn't really think much of that really until after I had my, I found out I was pregnant with my fifth child. And I said, you know, I need to write a blog because um, the, you know, going from having four children where I thought I had everything in order and just the thought, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have a fifth child. I needed to pull myself back to center again. So I created a blog called living in harmony motherhood. And that's when it finally hit me that I could help other people. So you see, there was like um, a 10 year gap before I even thought to help other women. Um, But all along the way, people were always asking and, um, yeah, but I, I found that it was quite significant. When I started that blog, I had a few actual followers and people asking me to write a book. And, you know, again, people, I was actually coaching people without calling it coaching. I just thought I was helping other mothers, you know, but people would actually call me and ask me, how do I, you know, take out parts of my day to take care of myself? How do I... Um, keep myself spiritually connected? How do I, you know, get my kids to eat right? And, you know, it's, it's really, really simple. Your kids will do what you do, not what you say. So, you know, that's, that's really how I decided to start helping other people. And, um, and even so, even with that, you know, making it into a business, didn't come to my mind until after I had my sixth child. Then I decided, you know, let me organize things. I'm going to actually publish a book. I'll do some workshops and and show people, you know, what to do and how to do. So you said something that that just is significant that to me, and that is that children will do what you do, not necessarily what you say. So in terms of, like, the sleep deprivation, because how, how, how do you help a child who doesn't want to sleep sleep so that the mother can get sleep and not be sleep-deprived when your child is, I'm not necessarily saying hyperactive or whatever, but just has a whole lot of energy and not ready to to sleep on some kind of regular or regimented schedule? That's a great question. You know, for me, um, we forget as adults that there is an actual calm down time and that you have to, the, the process of calming your body down for sleep really starts late afternoon. So um, I actually implement in, in my house that, that practice. So I'm, you know, I'm homeschooling. So after, you know, the late afternoon, like around four o'clock, I'll say, okay, guys, it's journaling time, right? And so this is a time where we decompress and kind of, you know, collect ourselves and what we did for the day or whatever. And before the kids actually know how to write, they usually were journaling, withdrawing. And, um, Let's shift because we're. I'm talking more about like like real babies that are not going to journal, that are not going to you know be able to even register that. What do you do 
in that situation because a lot of mothers are frustrated. They don't want to just let their babies cry and cry and cry because some people suggest that. And they feel that basically that the the child is controlling them <laughs> versus the other way around. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's still the same thing, you know, like um, having in the case of when my children or, you know, when they were baby babies, then I would just have periods of calming down activities, like literally with the baby. Like I, I was explaining um, holding my son and rocking him. I would just stop my activities or lessen my activities for the day and make less noise in the house. I would make certain types of food so he'd be accustomed to certain types of smells that are calming. You can use a diffuser with um, lavender, you know, or, you know, something that calms and significantly significantly changes the environment in the house. You know, babies can, they can really um, detect those kind of things. And also they detect more so, right? Because it's, they're all subconscious at that point. They can detect your vibration so that's why I was talking, you know, it's very important for the mother to calm herself down. So, you know, whatever it is that you need to do that's really super important, make sure that you have it done, you know, by a certain time. And then lower your vibration, right? Make it more calming, more peaceful. Um, make there a pattern of changes in lighting, changes in, you know, sound, smells so that the baby will follow those, you know, responses. They're really brilliant, so much smarter than we are. And they know, okay, well, it's calming time. And so, and, and just to be clear, my second child, and I think it was um, because that immediate, that um, initial disconnection, he was not the perfect child, right, <laughs> when it came to sleeping. So um, most mothers would call him high maintenance. So I... Um, I really had to implement a lot of different calm down techniques. And like I said, it would be including holding him and rocking, changing the smells in the house, changing the lighting. Um, you know, we're Muslim, so I would recite certain surahs. It's the chapters out of the Quran. All these environmental changes for babies. And most importantly, I cannot stress enough, the mother herself you know, has to like just chill out because I'm telling you, I know how we are, right? When once everybody goes to sleep, we wake up or we get up and we have to clean the house and everything has to be clean <laughs> and right for the night. Nope, nope, I couldn't do any of that because if I even tiptoed like near his bedroom, I don't know. It was just like, oh, mom's awake, you know? <laughs> so if you have one of those kids, you got to calm yourself down. Yeah. You know, I think that is so important because um, a lot of women, especially women who it's their first their first child and they're nervous about I mean, how do I how do I be a mother despite all the books and information out and not knowing or not not realizing that they're doing a good job but totally nervous about it and and supercharged they're not calm. And you're right, kids can follow our lead. And, and if we calm ourselves with, like you said, music and, and um, I, I also use lavender and, and things like that that can actually help to create 
more of an easier flowing calming vibration that's so important so i think i think that that in itself is a beautiful message i love this body soul shift i love the name of it can you tell our listeners what that is and how you develop that and and just what goes on in a body soul shift i love I, like i said i love it i love the the sound of <laughs> The, the the sight of it, which I don't know what it is yet, but it has a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because I, um, you know, I didn't realize I when I first started my business four years ago, I always said I'm helping women to create a total system of self-nurturing, which, you know, that did not resonate with many people. And I didn't understand why. But really, the body-soul shift is just a five-step process of doing that, creating a total system of self-nurturing, where step one is, we've talked about significantly already, dropping into your body, that calming down that you do, you know, diffusing the, um, you know, the oils or even self-massage. I didn't even bring this up, but I did massage my babies, and that was another signal for them to know that it was time to calm down. Um, then... Uh, that allows you to drop into your heart and be more emotionally connected and really um, change and alter that self-talk that, um, you know, it, it emerges out of your heart. I like to call it sweet talk, right? It's, so it's where you yeah. value, the, <laughs> yeah, sweet talk. You you value the power of your your existence and your your needs, your necessities over everything else and that allows your true self to radiate and from a vibration of love we were talking about the vibration and you just can flow and shift as you need to so you know you have the screaming crying baby and instead of you ah, you know it's just like oh there is a need that this child has and you'll be in your body enough to, to vibrate with the child and know what that is so that's really the you know what the the body soul shift is because our emotions actually on a molecular you know level are just a series of peptide changes that they the chemistry changes by a system of vibration you know and that's how they attach to each other and if as long as the vibration is you know the higher ones like love peace then that keeps us um, in a place where we're emotionally connected enough to release that which doesn't serve us and um, embody that which does. Well, the higher vibrations that you're talking about, the love and the peace and whatever, it actually makes us feel better in terms of our own being and it's also on some level contagious so that it can help with kids but I'm picturing a mother her kid is crying and the mother's instead of calming herself it, it's <laughs> she goes in the oh my what do I do how do I get away I need sleep you know and, and so it's probably very difficult for a mother to get to that place of okay, I've got to do this. Of honoring where she is first. I I agree with you. I think it's so important because kids are amazing in terms of picking up 
our emotions, our energies, or whatever, and if we're freaking out, <laughs> they know mm-hmm. it, and and they start freaking out too. You know, I'm using that terminology, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean. Um, so I think yeah. that's so important. Now, what about music? Because I think music, or even singing soft songs as you're rocking your, I think that also has a vibrational tone to it and can be very soothing and and also help not only calm the child but calm the mother as well. This is true. Music is very significant. It um you know different tones and sounds can can bring calm and and um and its vibration. Myself, I'm not really a good singer, so I never did that for my kids. <laughs> so um but but I don't think kids amazing. think you know. Oh, my mother's off tune, or I think it's I just <laughs> hearing your voice and, and exactly. I'm, I'm playing with you. <laughs> I know. I was just going to follow that up by saying, you know, really at the end of the day, children they're accustomed to your voice from being when they're inside, right? So when you when they come out, they just you know, if you just talk to them, not you know, in the tone that is comforting, you know, um, then they will, they will come back to, to, um, to calm. Um, so in terms, you know, of the situation, like I've been in it a lot, um, (laughs) having screaming and crying children, you know, one thing is, um, self, compassion and we are wise in our bodies and our hearts but we're not so wise in our minds so for what what I would do um, when my child would cry you know there's basic necessities of all bodies right you, you need to either eat or you need a diaper change or you know there's something uncomfortable with your your uh, clothing um, those are very obvious things. You know, maybe the the child's sick, there's something in the air, they had a disturbing dream or something. But, you know, ways to solve that, just I, I co-slept when my children were, were younger, like very small. So I knew by certain movements if they needed to go to the bathroom because I had them in cloth diapers and usually they would, sit on the toilet quite early so they wouldn't want to you know like go number two and some of them didn't even want to go number one in their diapers so if they wiggled a certain way I knew they need to go number one wiggle a different way they need to go number two Um, maybe they needed to eat maybe they were ready to wake up but they you know so it's when you the wisdom comes from being in your body and that's that's why um when when I talk about releasing, it's releasing the impulse to have to control a situation, having to make it okay. It's it's actually normal and natural for babies to cry, and if you tune in, you'll know which cry means what. You know, so um, you know that's that's something very individual to mother and child. And and that's why it's important to just disconnect from from the mind in that way. 
You know, I I, I agree with you. I, I also think that that mothers who get to a place of when they're hearing that crying, they get really excited and nervous. They have to really understand that they need to shift, that they need to calm themselves. And because if you're too upset or anxious, you're not even going to be paying attention to the subtle cues that your child is giving. All you're hearing is a cry, and and, and it's like, oh, what's going to Stop it! <laughs> Yeah, so you know, one I, thing that no, go ahead. No, one one thing that I used to do sometimes is um, you know, even if I'm already awake, I would actually close my eyes, right, to cut off my sensory. So I would have mm. to feel into my body and then I would, you know, it would be easier for me not to think. You know, because when you see, sometimes you're like oh my gosh, you know, you just see your child just in a state. And really, you know, the emotions go through the body in about 60 to 90 seconds. So that that's, you know, the point about letting kids cry, you know, for a child, they're going to mostly experience their emotions. So they may cry clearly more than 90 seconds, you know, or you can, you know, but in that 90 seconds, that's when you can make your assessment. But this is, you know, we're talking about babies, not much changes after the age of seven, to be honest, because if you look at your own um, patterns of emotions and your own response to your own emotions, like when you get upset about something, you either like really just don't let it go or you completely numb away from it. And we impose that on our kids, you know, all the way from babies up to, you know, um, the age of seven and they, we basically train them to numb out. It's like, look, you have to be okay, but you know, what is okay? Okay is experiencing your emotions so that you can listen to the wisdom that they're telling you that the okay is listening to your body to know that, you know, um, you know, for example, I had um, an event yesterday and I was a little bit like, nervous because I only had a few people signed up and I was like, Oh man, is this going to be another one of those, you know, go there and nobody shows up and whatever. Yeah. Those things crossed my mind. And then I stopped myself and I said, okay, so what if you go there and you just think you just feel like whatever souls are meant to be there, they're going to come. And even if it's one person, you guys are going to have a ball. And I immediately, like in under 30 seconds, that's exactly the shift that I, I gave myself. And so what happened was I, I got there and I was setting up and they said, oh, you know, a few more people have signed up. And I said, okay. And so I set out like four mats because this is like the physical part, portion of my body soul shift where we're actually doing the moving into our body. And so she says, oh, you're going to need a, a couple more than that. So I was like, she says, I think it's going to be eight. I said, okay. We had 12 people. And, you know, I firmly believe that it was just because I changed, you know, my worry to compassion and just, you know, look, you're going to have a ball with that one person that shows up and it's going to be great, you know. 
And we did have a ball, and it was great. And it's the same thing in anything and everything you do. You know, um, when you have a baby that has a fever, they're going to be miserable. But the great thing about a fever is it's an alert to let you know that there's some form of virus or inflammation or something in the body, and the body's working really well and really hard to get it out, right? You know, I I, I think what you're saying is so important. My experience with a lot of people, though, is that they don't have the same level of awareness about their bodies, even about their emotions. So oftentimes people don't plug in to themselves to the extent that, that, and I think it's wonderful, I think it's important to teach people to do that and for us to get connected that way. I mean, I'm very connected that way. I understand what's going on with my emotions, with my body. I also have an observer that kind of, <laughs> sits a little bit outside of me and watches, right? But I'm, but not everybody has that level of connection to themselves, and I think it's essential. I think we have to really learn that. So I, so what you're doing is is very important because it's almost like teaching people how to get in touch with that when. They're, you know, they're clueless. Nobody really, t- I don't think anybody, obviously you don't learn that in school. And I don't think necessarily, <laughs> unless it's a mother like you, that you learn that from your parents. But it's essential that you know who you are. And knowing who you are isn't like, you know, I'm a coach and a mother or whatever. It's knowing <laughs> all that we're talking about, the the emotionality, even the energy levels, even the shift that you're talking about in terms of getting to different places. So I think it's key that, you know, maybe that should be a prerequisite for motherhood, <laughs> a course that thinks that, okay, mothers, before, before this baby is born, you need to figure out who you are in terms of your energy, your vibration, your emotions, so that you know what to do with that, whether you need to amplify it or or lower it or whatever, to really help your your child and 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 also really help yourself, which is which is key here. So that's great. So um, you also you know we've been talking about balance to some extent and harmony to some extent. How do we know? When we're in, we're talking about mothers, you know, how do mothers know that they're in a state of balance and a state of harmony, firstly within themselves and secondly with their child? Hmm. I like that question. And and to be fair, you know, I don't think there could ever be a prerequisite for motherhood. I was like the most, no, I'm, like... <laughs> You know, I was just like, man, yeah, I I was going to have one or two kids and be done. But um, so to find harmony and balance, you know, I, I really don't like the word balance because it implies that it's possible. But what I really ascribe to is that recognizing that there are different patterns, which I like to call seasons, you know, um, so like in life, there is a season where you just have like lots of 
energy and fire and whatever. And then there are times where, you know, just like periods in the year where you're just like, mm, I'm, I just don't have it. And then, you know, so there, there are periods again where you have that renewal and, you know, so I call it like renewal, replenish, regroup, and, um, you know, just rest. And those, those are kind of um, the seasons that we have to recognize where we are. And um, in, my, in my Facebook group today is who, are, who am I Wednesday, right? So you, you kind of figure out who am I in this season <laughs> and, um, and kind of like just don't fight it back to being into your body. And over time, you become more self-aware of who you are because as much as we would like to say that we don't change much, we, we do definitely if we are even remotely interested in a little bit of self-help, you're going to evolve. And part of that evolution is recognizing that you have different seasons and different patterns of behavior and honoring that, which is the most important part so that you have the harmony. And, and when you honor that, then you can say things like, okay, you know, hon, look, babe, I know that you are going to come home and you have this big test or whatever, but when we get out of the car, if, if we could just, you know, put a timer on for 30 minutes, cause mom really needs to regroup before I can help you with anything, you know, and instead of, right, being monster mom, which I'm totally in touch with the concept of monster mom, okay, I, I was that. And, you know, <laughs> instead of being like, can you just get away from me? I just need a minute. Nope. It's completely different. It's received completely different by their little minds and their little bodies, right? And over time, you know, it causes a disconnection between you two. And, you know, that's why we hear about these rebellious teenagers because, you know, it's so many nails in the wall, right? But if, you know, if you just stop and, and say, look, okay, this is me not being able to do anything else. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to go in my house and start cleaning my kitchen and getting stuff in order and, and you know, cussing and throwing stuff. I'm going to just actually go and shut it down in my room and I'm going to tell everybody else to do that, or at least just they can do whatever they're doing. Just don't bother me, you know, and it's okay to do that. That's not selfish. That is just the root of harmony. And, and what you're talking about, which I think is important is that harmony begins with ourselves. We can't create harmony in our household with our kids, whatever, unless we are initially doing that for ourselves and recognizing what that looks like, what that feels like, and what how that registers in our lives and in, in our homes. So I, I think what you're doing is a wonderful service for mothers and for their kids <laughs> because <laughs> when you're helping mothers, <laughs> you're really helping their children too. And And it may not just be, like you said, it may not just be helping a child who's a baby, but but those precious years, early years, actually can help to formulate what's going on in later years, in teenage years or whatever. So I think I think your work is very important. We are out of time. Do you believe it? I mean, we could be talking forever. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. So, Cordelia, could you tell our listeners how they could get a hold of you, 
find out, get your book, find out more information about what you're doing and connect with you and even get a body soul shift. Yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned I have a Facebook group. So next week I'm going to have a three-day event in that Facebook group that's called Calm the Chaos Group. And um, for the three days we'll actually go through being um, released, releasing ourselves um, and shifting ourselves into being more emotionally connected and nurturing our souls. So it'll be like a mini taste of what the body soul shift is like for three days. And, um, and also as far as getting in touch with me directly, um, you can always go to my website now, I'm going to actually give you the link, which will put you on my newsletter, so that you can download what I call the Body Soul Shift Quiz, and to see how you're taking care of yourself, and we'll actually, um, at the bottom, in order to discuss your score, you make it'll give you a different link to make an appointment with me. So it's www.bodysoulshift.com. Wonderful. So um, what would you like to tell our listeners before we end today? I would say, you know, connect with yourself by just questioning what season are you in and observe, observe yourself and in each moment, especially if it's emotionally charged, and um, and and seek harmony, and and don't seek balance. Just reach for the low-hanging fruit. What's what's uh, easier, rather than what you have to resist or what what you have to fight against. Wonderful. I appreciate your wonderful advice and. Thank you so much for being on the Power Your Life show, Cordelia Gaffar, and have a beautiful, blessed day. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. So think about what Cordelia said, because it's so important to get in touch with ourselves, with our bodies, with our rhythms, with our the season that we're going through, even if it's within a day, because a day can be very significant for you, for your child, and for what's happening throughout the day. And remember, you have the ability to power your life. You have the ability to take charge of your thoughts, to even rein in your your emotions and to do a check on yourself and see where you are in or out of harmony, as Cordelia so beautifully talked about. So remember to take a step today to feel more empowered, more in charge of you, and feel good about that because that's a wonderful accomplishment. Thanks so much for joining us on Power Your Life, and have a beautiful day. Stay safe wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. 
Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.